Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21? You know, if you're a mom or you're a dad, I want you to know more than some men from the outside coming in, I think you hold the key. I believe that as you disciple, as you love and lead each of your children on a daily basis, we will experience the revival God wants us to have. I honestly believe with all my heart that parenting is more key than we could ever imagine. So that's why this morning, what I wanna ask you is, if you're a mom or a dad, what are you aiming at? I know that sometimes, Let's say if you've got a, a little one that's two years old, you're saying, I'm aiming at surviving this thing called parenting. I just want to live through it. I know that uh, when I think back on one occasion of my parents, I think, how did they survive, you know, raising me and my younger brother? When I was about five or six years of age, I had a toy handgun that shot what they call round soft pellets. And so uh, I don't think they're on the market anymore. They've probably outlawed them. But uh, at this time, it was okay. And I saw my dad reading the newspaper, and he had the bushiest eyebrows anybody you'd ever see. And so I was looking for a good target that I could shoot one of those soft, round pellets. And I saw my dad's eyebrows just over the top of the paper. And I thought, that would be a good one. So, boy, I took aim. It's the best shot I've ever done. I saw the bullet leave, and it hit my dad right in the forehead. And that's when the target changed from my dad's upper anatomy to my lower anatomy. <laughs> and so, suddenly, we had a change, and uh, so he got a hit as well. But anyway, <laughs> my parents were my heroes. I don't want to mis mispaint them here. My dad actually one time when I was three years of age saved my life. My mom had gone into the grocery store and my dad said, me and Victor just stay out here in the car. So I was in the back seat standing up and uh, I was leaning over the front seat where my dad was sitting at the wheel. And all of a sudden I had a lemon drop, one of those hard lemon drops. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but uh, I swallowed it and it got hung in my throat and I couldn't breathe. And all I could do was just swing my arms like this. So when I slapped my dad upside the head, at first I thought we were going to get it on. But then my dad saw that I was turning blue. So he quickly put me over the seat and uh, he began to hit me on the back like that. And out came that lemon drop. And I am here to talk about it today because my dad saved my life. But you know, as a pastor, I feel that my responsibility is to equip you for your ministry. You know what your greatest ministry is? If you're a mom or a dad, your greatest ministry is your son, your daughter. I really mean that with all my heart. But would you stand in honor of God's word? Let's begin with Luke chapter two, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, this is talking about Jesus, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, let me skip there from verse 25. Let's go down to verse 39. Verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, and then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand this saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, I really feel that you placed this message on my heart for this day and time. And so I know that there are some that are here today. They need this. Lord, perhaps they're searching for their son, their daughter, their grandson, their granddaughter. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but perhaps they're asking you, what should I do? Would you give me direction? Lord, help us to see what the target should be as disciples who are following Christ. I believe there's more than just wealth. There's more than work. There's more than sports or singing. I think there's something beyond that that you want us to aim for with our kids. And so would you prepare us? Lord, I really believe that they will be the, the corridors of revival. When it comes, it will come through them. And so I thank you for them. So encourage us, equip us, use the word today to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I wanna give you six characteristics of God-centered parenting. The first one being this, if you look back with me at verse 22, verse 22, God-centered parenting begins by lifting your child up in prayer to the Lord. Do you remember just a few weeks ago when we had a baby dedication and they were all the way across the front of this building? 
I think a baby dedication is a great way to start. But just because you pray for your children one time, that's not enough. We need to be praying for our kids every day. You know, verse 22 says that um, Jesus would have been, uh, what is he, 40 days old at this time. Whenever they were 40 days old, they would come back to the temple and the mom would go through a ritual purification. It was a ceremony. If you want to read about it, you can look in Revelation, uh, Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. But I want it to be practical today. How can you present your son, your daughter to the Lord? If you're looking for ideas, what can I pray for my son or my daughter? I want to give you some ideas that I ran across that I thought, this is really good. How about praying for their faith? How about praying for their salvation? I would put that as number one. I think a second thing you can pray for your kids would be, you can pray for their health. How about praying for their friendships? How about praying for their future? You can pray for your kids' character development. You can pray for their safety. You can pray for the purity of your son, of your daughter. You can pray for their joy. You can pray for their peace. Those are just some ideas, but I just first wanted you to see that Joseph and Mary came to the temple and what they said was, Lord, here's my son. Would you bring your son to the Lord at the daily altar in your personal devotion? Perhaps you and your husband, if it's just you, then go to the Lord. He's a heavenly father who wants to hear from you. Pour out your heart as you lift up your son, your daughter to the Lord in prayer. Let me give you a second thing though. I think if you were to include verse 21 and go down through verse 24, even going down to verse 39 in a moment, but let's just look first at verses 21 through 24. You know, in addition to lifting their baby boy up in prayer, I think that Joseph and Mary also launched their son in the direction of obedience to the Lord. You see, you cannot, I cannot, we cannot make our son or our daughter want to live according to God's word. You can't because someday they will move away. They'll have their own choices. They can decide this is the way I prefer to live. But what you can do is during the time that you have them, you can let them know for me, for me and your mom, for, for me personally, if you are a mom, say for me, I want you to listen to what God has revealed to us in scripture. You see, parents will eventually realize if you're not there yet, believe me, it comes faster than you think. But you have this season when your kids are still with you. It's an incredible stewardship from God. It's like a, a window of opportunity, but someday that window will close. Someday that door will close and you will not have that daily opportunity that you have now. Oh yes, those, they, maybe they'll still text you. Maybe they'll still call you. Maybe they'll come home on certain weekends. That's great. I'm not saying that your total influence is not there. I'm just saying that compared to what you have now, if your kids are living at home, it's gonna change. I think we have a great opportunity to set the direction and to say, you know what? I'm going to control my life according to what God has revealed to us in scripture. So if you're aiming at God-centered parenting, then my recommendation is lift your child up to the Lord in prayer. 
and also launch your child in the direction of obedience to the Lord. You can't control everything, but what you can say is, well, I have them here. I want them to see this is my target right here, the word of God. But let's move to something else. If you'll drop down to verses 41 to 51, Luke fast forwards because now Jesus is no longer an infant. He's a 12 year old boy. There's a big difference in a 12 year old boy and a month and a, uh, a month and a half year old infant. Notice that Jesus' parents were leading their son to attend worship, not leaving it up to his preference. They didn't say to him as a 12-year-old, you want to stay home today or would you like to go to the temple today? Notice what it says in verse 41. Who's in the driver's seat? Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Mom and dad and the family, they're all right there together attending worship. You know where they lived, right? They lived in Jerusalem, didn't they? Trick question. They didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived in Nazareth. So can you imagine Nazareth, from Nazareth to Jerusalem, that was 65 miles. What if I were to say, okay, let's all walk to Katy tomorrow, meet here at eight. We'll see what time we get there. What time do you think we would all get there? Can you imagine? They had to travel 65 miles. So imagine the time it took Imagine the inconvenience, the preparation that Mary would have had to gone through for such a long journey, the effort. All I'm saying is attending worship cost them something. It cost you something to get your crew ready to be here today. I remember how that was. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it for your kids to learn life is not about worshiping us. Life is about worshiping God. It's about singing his praises and giving him thanks. Like the one song we sang earlier, great things he has done. Hasn't he been good to us? So we don't come out of obligation. No, that's empty. We come out of gratitude and say, you know what? I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord so that I can praise him and thank him. You see, attending worship was a custom. It says here in verse 42, they went up according to custom. But it can be so much more than just custom, tradition, ritual. I think it should be from the heart that we say, I want to be in God's house. See, if you kept reading in the New Testament, you would get over to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, where it says, day by day, day by day, people were being saved. If you were to read in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, day by day, they were gathering in the temple and from house to house to hear the teaching and the preaching. You see, maybe here in America, we've watered it down. And the trend is just Sunday mornings, all you need, that's it. But all I'm saying is if we go back to New Testament times, it was day by day. And so I'm wondering, are we missing something as a nation because we're leading our kids in another direction other than God. That's all I'm saying. So here's the thing I wanted to recommend to you that God-centered parenting leads your child to worship. Let's move to a fourth one. I believe that God-centered parenting also loves your child, loves your child by pursuing them in the Lord. 
Have you ever lost your child? Man, it can be scary. Sometimes in Tokyo, we were going through uh, train stations where they would say every day a million people go through that train station. And so, man, we tried to hold on to our kids tight because we thought, what happens if we let go and we lose them? Man, you know, do you remember, they look like everybody that's there. It's like, I know they got black hair. Well, that, that just settles it right there, man. But what about this? What did they do? Have you ever heard the Lauren Daigle song, Rescue? I love that song because it reminds me of how God came looking for me. Did God go looking for you? I guarantee you he went looking for you because we don't seek him. He seeks us. He comes looking for us. And I love the way that song talks about it. It's like God, they're singing it to God. And here's what they're saying. I hear your SOS. Sometimes it's just like a whisper, it says in the song. And it says, I will never start, stop marching to reach you in the middle of the darkest night. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. I think that the Heavenly Father downloads that desire to love kids that much that when they're in need, and you will, you will cross the earth. You will do whatever you got to do to get to them. Luke reminds us of how stressful it was when they're, they're, they can't find him. And you know what got him in that place? Supposition. Supposition. Do you see that in verse 44? But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. It's never a good idea to assume that everything's okay with your son, with your daughter. It might not be okay. And so that's why we have to pursue them. We have to search for them. You can see search mentioned throughout this passage three times in verse 44, verse 45, verse 48. They're searching for him. Are you searching for your son or your daughter? You know, the Christian psychologists tell us that there's four different kinds of parenting. There's permissive parenting where the parents are fearful they don't ever want to cross a child. And so what happens is the, child's, the children grow up and feel insecure. They don't know where the boundaries are. And so it's like, I, I, think, I think anything's okay. But then there's also not only permissive parenting, there's neglectful parenting, where parents are just simply disengaged. They might not even be aware of it. They're just so engrossed in their lives, they're not even paying attention to what's going on with the kids. And so their kids feel it. They feel like, I don't think anybody really cares. And so they're emotionally scarred. There's, of course, authoritative parenting where they balance limits and love. These kids have a high sense of, of honor. They feel like I'm loved. My parents, they told me what was right and wrong, but they also loved me. And when they told me right and wrong, they told me in a very loving way. And then there's authoritarian where it's strong on limits, weak on love. It's like they can tell you the rules and bark them out all day long, but have you once today said that you love your son or daughter? And the answer to that, sadly, in many cases is no, no, I haven't. I've only given rules, rules, rules. The postscript, of course, in verse 51 is beautiful, isn't it? Whenever it talks about Jesus was submissive to them, 
thought that was really powerful word. There's the perfect son of God. He's only 12 years of age. He's not doing anything wrong. There he is in the temple. They finally found him there. But whenever he realizes how, how worried they were, he goes back home and it says he was submissive to them. And you won't even see him again until he's 30 years of age. Let's go to a fifth thing. I kind of have a hard time with this one. I believe God-centered parenting also realizes at some point, we're gonna have to let our children serve the Lord. You see, God created every son, every daughter. There's a special purpose. There's a plan for their lives. And so as hard as it is, at some point, all that molding and shaping, we have to say, okay, Lord, I will release them into your hands. That's why I think it, it takes courage at some point. I'll never forget a long time ago, there was a song, a Christian song, about how our kids, you know, they draw pictures and it said in the song, he, they, they give you these watercolored ponies and you put that up on your fridge. And then it says in there, they get on those ponies and they ride away. And I thought, man, why did you have to say that part? You know, But this was a spiritual turning point when you look at uh, verses 49 and 50. It was a turning point for Mary and Joseph when Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The word house there, it's not there. It doesn't say the father's house. It's talking about the father's work, the father's plans. Of course, that's where he was in the father's house. So it's not bad that it's there, but it simply says in verse 50, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. I think it's hard for us. Sometimes parents don't understand. But you know, um, I chose the PowerPoint background because it matches, in my opinion. In Psalm 127, verses three and four and five, Psalm 127 says that your kids, my kids, you know what they are? They're like arrows in your quiver. They're arrows in a quiver. And Isaiah 49, verses one through three, says that God will take them He'll put them in his bow and he will shoot them at his target. And the target that is mentioned in Isaiah 49, one through three is the glory, the glory of God. So to say, okay, I want you to do whatever will bring God the greatest glory. Well, let's, let me close what we're talking about this morning with one last look. If you look at that last verse, it's actually a summary statement of Jesus' growth. And what it summarizes is from when he was 12 to when he was 30. And so maybe you would say, oh, this is just something for, let's say a junior high student or a high school student or a college student. No, remember, he, it's all the way until he was 30. And so this could even be something for young adults or any adult. It says in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Four different things there. Here's the thing. What do you long for your kids to be and to do? For me, I long to see the younger generations, not just my kids, but I long to see the younger generations say, I just want to grow in Christ. I want to become all that God wants me to be. 
So I would suggest verse 52 as somewhat of a target and say, this is my longing. This is what I really would love to see my children do, is to increase mentally. I'm glad. I think we should educate them and help them to keep growing and learning all their life, keep on growing, but also growing physically in stature. Some of you may be looking at me and saying, well, what happened to you? I am growing in stature. It's just kind of on the, you know, side to side. But, but to say, okay, Lord, I want to take care of the physical body. Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so really, we should be careful with the temple that we have. We should be careful the kind of food we eat. We should be careful, you know, that we get the exercise we need, the rest we need, all those kind of things. But also, I think, to be progressing spiritually. It says in favor with God. Do you know what that word favor there is? It's the word grace. It's the word grace. To be growing and increasing, progressing in grace with God. And then of course, developing socially in favor with man. I love that. This morning, I didn't want to put you on a guilt trip, so please don't feel like I'm trying to bring you down in what I'm saying. I'm actually trying to equip you, and I'm trying to challenge you, trying to encourage you. We must be intentional in raising up future generations of disciples. We can't just sit on the back burner. You see, the statistics, if you want to look at them, they're out there. And what they tell us is the facts are Younger generations, not everybody, of course, not even many in this room, but younger generations nationwide in America are turning away from the Lord, turning away from the Bible, dropping out of church. They no longer are even embracing a biblical worldview. They're embracing other worldviews that are really concerning. So like the children of Ziklag in the days of David, while the men, David and his men were away from the city, do you know his family was taken? David and his men were broken and discouraged when they came back riding into Ziklag, expecting their kids to come running up and give them a hug. There are no kids. There are no wives. Their houses are burned down. You see, they've been taken. So after they had, they had cried and they wept over what had happened to their families, David says a prayer and he says, should I go after them? And he said, God said, pursue them, pursue them for you shall rescue them. We can win back this nation. We can win back this generation if we will pursue them. And so what I'm trying to tell you will help us to find them because 1 Samuel 30 verse 19 tells the end of that story. David brought back every son and every daughter taken by the enemy. Our God is mighty. Our God can do it. See, the truth is, this is the truth. The truth is the enemies of our soul, the devil, the world, the flesh, they painted a target, not on my back. They painted a target on the back of our kids and they're wanting to take our kids down. But Ephesians 6, verses 16 and 17 says, In all circumstances, you take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm telling you, 
this book, it tells us the way if we will just go back to it. And that's what the Spring Bible Conference is just one thing. It's not everything. Right now, when we finish here, we're going into Bible classes, Sunday school classes for all age groups. What are we trying to do here? We're trying to prove how, how religious we are, how spiritual we are? No, actually, we're just trying to stay equipped for this battle. And we believe that our God is so mighty. The Bible says that victory comes from the Lord and it comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you don't have victory today, I want you to know it can be found today even through Christ. Let's stand together. I want to close with a song of invitation, give you an opportunity to respond to what God has said to you this morning. Could be you just need to pray right there. Maybe it's after this service, when you go back home, you may say to your wife, we just need to pray. Pray for the, our nation's young people. Pray for our kids. Pray for our grandkids. I don't know what God may say, but if you're here without Christ, the very first step is to say, you know what, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm so glad that you're hearing my SOS. God will come running to you if you will just come to him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for leaving heaven and coming to us. In Luke 15, you're portrayed as someone searching, searching like that shepherd for that lost lamb, searching for that silver coin like that lady, like that dad who was searching for the son so that even before he reached the house, you were already running toward him. I know you will run toward any that will take a step toward you today. And so, Lord, please draw them by your everlasting love and win their hearts this day. And please, for, if nothing else, Lord, I'm asking, please strengthen each mother, each father that is here this day. Help them to know what they need to, to win their children to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.